Welcome to Practice Purchased, Season 3, Episode 8. I'm back with Ashley Garvey-Smith. We are talking negotiation tips from a lawyer when buying your practice. Ashley, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, people talk about, okay, who do I need on my team? Um, it's always the accountant and lawyer. And I get involved in some negotiation points. Uh, but there's this, I think, this sense of, all right, when the lawyers are involved, there are these legal documents that get passed back and forth. And it's that back and forth that has this air of, I don't know, some kind of crime documentary on TV or we're watching NYPD Blue or something. And it's it feels exciting. And so I'm excited to have you here to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Tell us, first of all, you know, you're going to give us some negotiation tips and everything, but just give us a realistic sense of what is actually happening, when, you know, what is actually negotiable how should people be acting through this process? What's normal? Just help us set expectations so this becomes a little bit less of a black box for us. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, that's a good plan. And I like that you bring that up. I I used to have a hard time. My husband really wanted to watch Suits. And mm. I had such a hard time watching that first season of Suits because it was so unrealistic. And as a lawyer, it's it's really hard to watch shows like that because it's just never how it happens. And But I've been watching, I decided to get into it and watch it. And I'll watch them sit in this big conference room across the table. You know, these lawyers and their clients are sitting across the table from each other and the negotiations are going down and it looks so exciting. And you've got one lawyer who's super aggressive and you're cheering for that lawyer and and then that lawyer wins because they were just so aggressive. And it, it's just not how it goes. So first of all, most of, of the negotiations are done over the phone. Um, rarely are you meeting, and especially now in the COVID area, I, I said area, but I meant era. <laughs> in the COVID era, are we meeting in person and a, in a big conference room across the table for, from each other? And so what happens is, one of the parties will have, you know, draft the documents, send the documents over to the other party. And I would say most of the time it's the seller, most of the time, but not always. As, as you know, if I'm representing a buyer, I often draft the documents as well. But I would say in maybe 75% of the cases, the seller's attorney um, or broker is drafting the documents. Then me as the buyer's attorney, I will go through them. I will talk with my client and say, hey, here are some concerns that I have. Here are some things I think we need to bring up. And I will give proposed changes to the seller's attorney. And I would say a lot of the time, a lot of the time, the seller's attorney will accept most of those changes. And it's usually about two to three sticking points that you end up negotiating when it comes to the actual purchase agreement. Now, it's a little bit different with a lease because in a lease, you're dealing with a uh, you're either dealing with the seller who owns the building, and you might be leasing from the seller, um, or you're dealing with a commercial landlord who has a lot of tenants, and it's a little bit of a different type of negotiation depending on who you're dealing with on the lease side. And then on the other side, you might have a seller who's going to be working for you as an associate, and so you know you might be negotiating those terms as well. And because you're going to be continuing to work with that person, you need to have a little bit of a different negotiation style because you want to maintain a good rapport and a good relationship with that with the seller and not get off 
to a bad start. So a lot of these negotiations are collaborative, they're friendly, um, but you also need to make sure that your interests are protected. So you want a good negotiating attorney. Good. No, that makes sense. I think I would say it's a small percentage, but there is a percentage of buyers who assume that they are hiring how to, you know, a pit bull, right? They're hiring someone to go really attack and yes. squeeze every last drop out of this other side. And what I hear you saying is, no, like nobody's getting on the phone and yelling at each other. And they're, they're not threatening and hiring private detectors to follow them around and threaten them with dirt that they have. I mean, this is, it, it sounds like it's a lot more collaborative than uh, what we, we might see on TV. Right. These types of deals are, and I think that's important to talk about the different types of negotiation styles and especially when you're looking for a lawyer. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of studies have been done on negotiation. There are a lot of books that have been written on negotiation, but they've kind of boiled it down to five different negotiation styles. And the first one is a competitive style. And this is your, this is your pit bull, your bulldog. This is the aggressive person. And I have found that in deals like this, you don't want someone who has a competing negotiation style. These these types of lawyers are good for PI settlements, you know, where it's a short-term agreement. If you're talking about a long-term agreement or a long-term relationship, you don't want an aggressive negotiation negotiator. Um, yeah. the PI other, personal injury. Per, you know, yes, yes. Sorry, that was legal jargon. Personal, yeah, it, a personal injury attorney. They're often more competitive. Um, sure. The other types of negotiation styles are collaborative, compromising accommodating and avoiding. And so I tend to be a more collaborative negotiator, which is kind of an I win, you win focus. And that focuses on understanding what the other party wants and having empathy, but having tactical empathy. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's a process of discovery. And the only way you can do that is by listening and understanding what the other party wants. Um, and these types of negotiators are really good with business negotiations, you know, long, longer term business negotiations. Um, the other three types of negotiation styles are compromising, accommodating, and avoiding. And we won't talk too much about those, but just, you know, by way of introducing those, a compromising negotiation style is we all win some, we all lose some. Mm -hmm. And compromisers often concede a lot of points so they can win kind of on the bigger things. And Conceding some things can be okay, but you don't want a lawyer who's going to tell you, oh, you should just concede this. Yeah, you should just, right. you know, you want your interests protected. You want what you want. Um, accommodating, these are your people pleasers. These are the people right. who want to be liked by everyone. They're not necessarily great negotiators, but sometimes they're good to have go in a negotiation with a more competitive negotiator. Um because they can build the relationship while the competitive negotiator actually gets negotiator gets the deal done. And Makes then sense. the last style is the avoiding style. This is someone who doesn't like conflict. Frankly, this person shouldn't be an attorney, but there are a lot of them out there. Okay. I like it. I, a rule of thumb I have heard other attorneys share with me is a successful negotiation is one in which everybody is mostly happy and a little bit unhappy. Is that, I mean, is that a decent rule of thumb? And you talked about win-win. Um, give me a sense of if, if that's really true. Yeah, frankly, I think that is true because you can't, you can't always get what you want as the Rolling Stones have taught us. <laughs> but, but, you know, you are going to walk away probably having to concede some things. 
I think in most dental deals, I would say in most dental deals, people walk away happy. Um, but but there there are going to be some things that you're probably not happy about, and that's a, that's okay. And I think in a in a good negotiation, that is probably the truth in most cases. Give me. Uh, I wanted towards the end of the episode, I wanted to ask you for a reading recommendation, uh, but I do want to get into some specific tips with the. I, I think I have a dual purpose here, Ashley, in asking these questions. I want dentists that are listening to this episode to a know what to do themselves if they find themselves in a negotiation t- style conversation. And I want them to be listening for watching for specific behaviors from any attorney they may hire. Um, so what, what are some, I guess, give me a sense of your top tips. We, I'm sure there's a lot, but when you are giving advice to a, a buyer you're working with, what types of things are you talking about? Well, I think the first thing I talked to them about is, is the fact that this negotiation is not a battle and a negotiation should not ever be a battle. It is a process of discovery. So you need to enter every communication, conversation and negotiation with the intent that you're going to uncover and discover information. And, you know, you're not trying to go into the negotiation to, to necessarily win although you want to get what you want, but you want to discover the, what the other person wants. You want to discover what the seller wants. And so it is so, so important to ask a lot of questions of the seller at the outset. So when you're going and you're visiting practices and, you know, this isn't necessarily the time to negotiate, but it, at some point you are probably going to be negotiating with the seller as a buyer, even if you have attorneys the seller and the buyer still communicate throughout the process. And so the more you can uncover about what the seller wants, what his or her objectives are, what his or her retirement goals are, it's going to put you in a stronger negotiation position down the road. Okay. So uh, I think a lot of buyers have the, they go into a purchase with the expectation that a the price is going to be inflated. The broker is assuming that, or broker sellers assuming that you are going to haggle over the price, and and there are a lot of other things we can negotiate on. What I hear you saying is that may not be true. It could be true, but it it may not. And in my experience, actually, you validate if this is true in your experience. My experience is culturally in the U.S. If we're dealing with a, a you know a very t- a very typical kind of older. US-based American dentist, I would say the expectation is that it's a lot more collaborative than hard-nosed negotiations. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I've had to deal with, uh, with buyers that come from a different culture, different expectation, maybe different parts of the country where um, it's just assumed that we're going to battle it out. Um, I don't know. It, give me a reaction to that. Yeah, I think that's true. And so, and, and I have had a number of clients who it's, it's almost like they come in looking for a fight. Yeah. And if that's how you're going to approach this entire deal, it could kill your deal. And I've, I have seen it kill deals. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but, but I have seen, I have seen buyers come in and they want, they want to be the pit bull. They want to be the bulldog. And and because, you know, you're dealing with a seller who has thoughts and feelings and emotions, and 
this is a big deal for the seller. You know, these sellers have worked at their practices for 35 plus years. They've yep. built this business and, and there is a little bit of ego involved. Well, sure. maybe a lot in some cases, <laughs> but you know, you, you have to have some empathy for what the seller is going through that they are giving up this baby that they've created. And sure. I think if you can approach it with empathy, you can still get what you want, maintain a good rapport with the seller and, and, and you know, still negotiate yeah. well. Yeah, that word empathy, I, I know a lot of buyers get turned off. But I know exactly what you mean. I 100% agree. In fact, I 200% agree. What we're not talking about here is warm cookies and, you know, remembering their kids' birthdays and sending them birthday presents. Although that's, if you want to do that, that's fine. But when you talk about listening and empathy, what, what do you mean, Ashley? Give me some specifics. You know, what it really is, is understanding where they're coming from and yeah. and labeling what it, and, and actually, so let's maybe talk about this. So identify and validate their feelings and emotions. That's okay. really what, that's really what it means. It's, it's called tactical empathy. It's obviously you're going in with a strategy and you want to show them that you understand. And, you know, negotiation is, it's all about strategy. And it's, it's not necessarily about being aggressive and being a pit bull. It's about having the right strategy and people want to be understood. That's, I mean, we all have this basic need to be understood and listened to. And so give their emotions and feelings a name. So you can say something like, it seems like you really loved this practice and you really love your employees. You know, when, you mm. know, they might be saying, Hey, I, I want to sell you this practice, but I want to make sure that you hire my niece as an associate down the, down the road. And, and you know, or I want to make sure that you keep this person on as the office manager and label their emotions and say, you know, it seems like, or it sounds like, and label that emotion. They just want to feel understood. You know, this is reminding me of that mirror technique you taught me. Do you remember that? And can you share that? Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because this is key in so many negotiations. And this is a technique that was developed by a man named Chris Voss. And he was in an FBI hostage negotiator. And he says, be a mirror. And the way to do that is you repeat the last one to three words that the other person says. And so an example of this happened just a couple days ago. And I was talking to the seller's attorney and she said, you know, the seller was thinking that, okay, so just a little bit of background, the seller wants to work for the buyer for about two years. And what the seller was asking for was was more than what the buyer was willing to pay. And so the attorney said, you know, the seller was thinking $1,700 per diem. And all I said, all I said was $1,700 per diem. That's it. And the seller's attorney said, well, well, okay, he would be willing to do $1,000 per diem. I didn't even say... All I, all I did was mirror exactly, you know, the last one to yeah. three words. And I said it with an inflection, just a question in my voice. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimately, the buyer didn't want to pay any per diem. That, I mean, that was our goal. We, we wanted to pay a percentage of the production and no per diem. And so ultimately, we're not doing a per diem and we're just doing the percentage that the, the buyer is getting what she wanted in the first place. And all it took was for me to just mirror those last one to three words with the seller's attorney. Wow. So the mirror technique took a $1,700 per diem down to 
just a percentage of production. I love Correct. it. <laughs> That's yes. great. So just mirror the last one to three words. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And it, you will be surprised. This works in almost every situation in your life. It works with my kids. It works <laughs> with my husband. <laughs> I wasn't you, going to say it, but I'm going to try with my wife. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how it goes, but it works in a lot of different situations. Okay. What about tone of voice? Um, okay. So, you know, I, before I was an attorney, I was a musician, as you know. And on top of that, I would actually, I had people, not that I think I have a great NPR or radio voice, but it is really important. Our tone of voice is so important when we're communicating. And I had, I had someone say, hey, you should coach people on how to speak. Um, because, you know, growing up, we had a lot of girls who would speak like valley girls. <laughs> and, you know, or they might have a lot of that vocal fry, which is like this kind of sound. And it has, it, it has followed us through adulthood. And so I still hear, you know, grown men and women speaking that way. Um, but it's important to be aware of the tone of our voice when we're negotiating, because we want to use a positive and relaxed voice because that creates a more collaborative environment. And so you can use your NPR public radio voice and it really actually calms people down, you know, depending on the tone of your voice. I always say, I never want to use my mom voice when I'm <laughs> negotiating yeah. because it reminds people of dealing with their mom and it's grating and it sounds naggy. And so just be aware of the tone of your voice. Use a public radio voice, an NPR voice, make sure that you're not asking, it doesn't sound like you're asking questions every time you say something. Mm. Um, and your inflection, your tone is going down at the end of all of your sentences. That's really interesting. And so what, just to repeat what I think I heard you say is tone of tone of my voice, how I inflect the quality and, and how relaxed I sound will ultimately help me in a negotiation because the other party will feel that relaxed. They will feel uh, th that I'm not really out to get them. Exactly. Got yes. It. It's, you would be surprised at how much the tone of our voice can affect those around us. Got it. Okay. Um, what other types of questions or what other things should we be asking for? You, you mentioned the importance of asking questions. Are there other thoughts you have around that? Yes. Yeah, so something that's really important is you want to know what the other party doesn't want. Part okay. of, un, you know, uncovering information and discovering information is asking them what they don't want. And, and you can just come right out and say, say this, what, what don't you want out of this deal? And, and that can open them up to feeling like they can trust you and let you know what they don't want, which will put you in a position later on to have a better understanding, not only of what they do want, but what they don't want. Um, and yeah. so ask, and the way that you need to ask questions, I think this is really important too in a negotiation is don't ask why questions. Mm -hmm. You know, don't say, why do you want to do this? Because for some reason, the question why puts us on the defensive. And so the way that you want to ask questions, especially in a negotiation type of a situation, is you want to ask how questions and what questions. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you might say to the seller, how would you prefer to handle any rework issues? Mm. And not All right. So um, I'm a buyer now. 
So my devilishly handsome dental CPA, Brian, says that the practice is worth $100,000 less than the asking price. Instead of asking, you know, why did you value it that way? What you're saying is a better question is, how can we address the gap in these two numbers? Yes. Or how did you come up with that valuation? And cool. even though, you know, you're essentially asking the same question, but it, it requires the other party to actually give an explanation. They're open-ended questions. They, you know, it's why, why did you, you know, why did you do it this way? Well, because. so and that's and that tends to be the response that you get when you ask why questions so use you know ask how questions as much as possible what questions are okay as well um but be very avoid the why questions as much as possible so this is great ashley you're you negotiate all day every day as an attorney and you do it very well I've, i've witnessed it firsthand where could a buyer get um, some more information? Where could they learn more? you have a book recommendation for us? I do. So I, I read this book every single year. I read it. At, there are two books that I read at the beginning of the year. One is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And um, the other one is actually The Four Agreements, which has nothing to do with negotiation, but it is a good book as well. But Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss is such a good book and and it's not even just about you know negotiating in these business settings you negotiate every single day you negotiate with your spouse with your kid i mean you have kids you know yeah, yeah. i'm negotiating with my kids every day and frankly they're getting to be pretty good negotiators they're my biggest challenge <laughs> and and so if you read this book never split the difference by chris voss it will give you so many that that's where i i learned about the mirroring technique and so many other techniques and tactical empathy. You know, he he was an FBI hostage negotiator and now he teaches negotiation, I think at Harvard or for Harvard, or he helped them create their programs. Mm-hmm. So he knows what he's doing. It's a fantastic book and I would highly recommend it to anyone. Very readable too. Yeah, it, great storyteller and uh, you get a lot out of it. Yeah. All right, Ashley, thank you. This has been super helpful. Our next episode, we're talking about deal pitfalls. And we will see you on episode nine. Thanks.